You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, good morning to you. We're going to start our another sermon in this great John series, John 17. But I need to ask you a question first. Am I old? Of course I'm old. For crying out loud, why would you lie to me and say I'm not? I never trust anybody that looks at me and disagrees that I'm old. Now, there's old and there's old, but yeah, I'm old. Good night. I'm not classic. I like classical music, but anyway, we're having a little fun around here. It'll be a blast. It is fun. Uh, And we just want to invite you, uh, there's notes back there. If you're watching online, there are notes on the app and on the bottom of the webpage. And yes, I've got a lot of notes to fill in, so you might want to do that. Uh, We're looking at John 17, so I'd invite you to to follow along on your Bible or on the screen as, as it works better for you. Look at John 17, this great high priestly prayer. It's really the Lord's Lord's Prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, for you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those that you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you glory to earth by finishing the work you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you, To those whom you gave me out of the world, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed my my word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew a certainty that I came from you, and believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me, None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the word of the Lord. This is such a marvelous passage. There's more to come uh, Sean will be preaching next week, finishing up this sermon. But I just want to take a look at this together. It's such an incredible thing. So much to ponder here. So much to be transformed by. So much to be engaged with. So much 
encouragement that comes out of that as we have this time together. Jesus says, I revealed you to those whom you gave me. They were yours. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about the disciples. They were yours. So look at that. Jesus speaking to, about the disciples. Now by extension, that's us. Next, next sermon when he extends it specifically to those who follow them. He's speaking to the disciples. And what he says here is who's their owner? And their owner, that's our owner too, really, is fathers. Do you think yourself is owned by the father? I use the term father all the time, but I've never thought of ownership in quite that way until I was pondering this thing. By the way, this outline, I put together a whole bunch of stuff. It's kind of a mess. Bruce Milne wrote the message of John. So this is his outline mostly. I just want to give him credit. The church is fathers, but this is what really, this is what really blew my head off. They were ours. And what did he say? You those whom you gave me, they were yours, you gave them to me. So who gave them? Father. So the church is the father's, what would you put in the blank? Gift. Gift to whom? To the son. Now if that didn't upset your whole day with amazement, do you think of yourself as a gift that the Father would give to Jesus and that he would relish that gift? That's what it says. Now, some of you are nasty little brats. And you're kind of a different kind of gift, but that's part of the thing here is quit being a nasty little brat. We are a gift that the Father gives to the Son. Because it's work that he does. I mean, and we're just beginning here. You gave them. They've obeyed your word. Now they know everything you've given comes from me. They know that everything you have given them comes from you, he says. I gave them these words you gave me and they accepted them. They know with certainty that I came to you. Now this, we've talked first about the ownership. Now we're talking about their knowledge. Jesus is saying they know, the disciples are with him in the garden, and by extension us, they know, what is it? They believe Jesus is the word, and a couple of things here, looking back to John 1, 14, what do they know from this passage? The word what? Became flesh. The eternal second person of the Trinity became fully and concretely human. They knew that, that he's God become flesh. And John 1, 18, the one and only son whom himself with God in closest relation with the father has done what? He has made the father known. He has revealed the father and the disciples and we know that. We know who Jesus is. I revealed you to those whom you gave me. That revelation, not only the father, but of who he is and who we are in him as a gift to the Father. They have obeyed your word, he says. 
and everything given come to me, I gave them the words they gave me, and they accepted them. They know with certainty I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. These are things they know. And that's what we're talking about here. Their achievement is they're, they're owned, they're knowing, but their achievement is they have received these words. They've accepted and obeyed the Father's words. See, that's praying for the disciples to the Father. And he's speaking these things to the Father. He says, Father, this has all happened. These ones who have been through such difficult times that this is all true, he's what he's saying. And I want those to be true of us as well. I don't want to be a nasty little brat in God's family. I don't really think I am. But I also want to grow to full maturity in the family. And we can do that. That's what we're talking about. But he's not done yet. He's not done yet. This now, he says, I pray for them. This is this word become flesh who's revealing the Father is now praying for them, pointing to the disciples there with him in the garden just before he goes to the cross. And by extension, he prays for us. Pray for those you have given me. He does not pray for the world. Now, did Jesus ever pray for the world? It isn't in the sermon here, but it's a sidelight. Does Jesus ever pray for the world? The answer is, absolutely. But he's praying something specifically for his disciples. That's what we're looking at. Because the things that he's praying for for us as disciples, family members, are not true for those who are not his disciples yet. See, it's a family prayer. We had uh, Nicole and her new husband, Colton, at our table last night. Now, Colton is our now grandson-in-law. Is he a part of our family? Say yes or I'll bite your head off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Colton's little brother, Dominic, was with him. Dominic was a guest at our table. We were kind to him, but I gave Nicole and Colton big hugs. I did not give Dominic a hug. He's not really, I didn't remember him before. See, and there's things that are unique to the family. He's praying stuff that's family. He does pray for the world, but it's different things. So we're going to look at what he's praying for here. He prays for his disciples, those you have given me. And what does he pray for? Those ones who are his. His first prayer is this. Father, protect them. It's the first thing he prays for those who are part of his family because we live in a war zone. Protect them by the power of your name, he says. I know we're jumping around. This is Jesus' prayer. He didn't script it out in advance, it seems. He actually prayed it live. Protected in your name. And you think what is name? Jay talked about this last week, too. A name, now my name is Gary. There's no particular meaning to it. It just... My mom got bored and spelled a G-E-R-R-Y, which has confused everything for all these years. <sighs> Protected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Geraldo over here. 
we wanted to change his name to Waldo when he came to this place, and somehow Janelle wouldn't put up with that, so now we call him Geraldo because he works with our Spanish language as well. Yeah, and we have a lot of fun going on. What is a name? Well, name, as Jay said last time, is two basic things. It's character and mission. When you talk about the name of God or a, a name that's a meaningful thing, it talks about the character of the person. It talks about the mission of the person. Now, not my birth name, but my name from God is Pastor of Pastors. That name was given to me for a season in my life about 20 years ago. And that's what I've been doing for a long time. It's my family name in God's family. And so that does have character. And it does have a mission with it. But I think about this. What does that look like? What have you all been watching on news here lately? What is that? That's Lahaina, Maui, when that fire came in a couple weeks ago and burned the whole town. I mean, it's just unthinkable. Sherry and I were there back in 2015, briefly in Lahaina, in the banyan tree. We spent time under that big banyan tree in the courthouse. The courthouse is gone. They're trying to save the banyan tree, but ay, 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 it just came like crazy. If you have the name of father, what do you do? Well, this is Central Maui Calvary Chapel. One of my former students is a gray-haired guy with his back toward us. He's a bivocational pastor at that church. He just got married to Dana. Isn't that a great picture? I mean, good night. What an incredible couple. Now, they're great. She's a fabulous songwriter, and he's a worship leader. He's probably leading worship there a little later this morning. What did that group do? This is them getting together and praying so they could do this. This is the day after the fire. When nobody could get in Lahaina, they had a connected person that the loaded flatbed truck made it to, I don't know how you pronounce it, the market there in Lahaina. They got a whole bunch of stuff together, used their government connections, and took it there, paid for by the church. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? They were like first people there with ice and gasoline and all kinds of stuff because that's the name and mission of Jesus. That's our identity. That's who we are. And that's what protects us and brings us together. I have given your word and the world has hated them for the world has hated them? I have been, had eye rolls. I've never had anybody hate me unless we use some of the crazy way hate is used these days. See the news story though? Pakistan. Church in Pakistan somehow got accused of insulting the Quran. A mob gathered together, burned the church, burned the pastor's house, tried to find him so they could kill him. He had already gotten out of town. All the Christians had gotten out of town because they were accused of, they did not, but they were accused of insulting the Quran. That's hatred. It's true in many parts of the world. It's not true here. We get our eye rolls and we get stuff against us and such and we get slandered sometimes. Hated here. My prayer is not you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. I have sent them into the world. See, our mission is going to a place where we may not be welcomed. 
and that protected from the world that can be hostile to us and from the evil one. Now, who's the evil one? What's his name? Satan or the devil, the evil one. And a couple things I won't go into detail here today. He is the prince of this world. And frankly, if you want to do well in this world, side with him. Really, if you want to do well in this world, side with the evil one. Use his values. Consolidate power to yourself. Crush your enemies. Do your personal passions full on in the moment, anything. And you do well in this world. You won't do well in God's world. But it's also that he is the ultimate narcissist. And that will get you well. High-functioning narcissists can go to the very top these days. And they gather a crowd around them of very loyal people. Now, if you're not loyal, you get in trouble really quickly. But see, the way of the world is the narcissist. Side with the power people. Do it in corporations. Do it in politics. There's a lot of places where if you follow the world's way, you'll do well. What Jesus is saying, do something very different and your character then will be a conviction, a condemnation of this way. The world has hated them because they're not of the world. But he says this, they're not of the world. He says it again. And he says, I have sent them into the world. So what he's saying here is two things. We are neither of the world playing by the world's values, but we're also not out of the world. So we live in a world where the value systems of the world are different than the values of Jesus, and we bring the values of the king of the universe into this place. And I still look at the Behina thing. Now, the government stuff has moved in, and there are a lot of people helping out. It's a community in action. But because I have some friends in, in Hawaii, and particularly in Maui, the front line is still churches because of the ones that realize we're going to help these people sacrificially. Alyssa Bethke is one of my current students. She and Jeff have a public ministry of family. They're influencers live on YouTube and all that sort of thing. Great couple. She's put together a dress line because it's a thing to do. When this stuff in Lahaina happened, what, Ma what did Al Alyssa do from their home there in Maui? They opened up and said, come get anything you want. It's all yours. It's all yours. Why? That's what Jesus' people do. I pray for them, he says. I pray for them so that they may be one as we are one. I pray for them, he says, that they may be one. So another thing he does, not only protected, but united. How's the church doing on being united these days? See, because we play the power, we play the world stuff. The narcissist says, protect your stuff. If you're a Democrat, point out them blankety-blank Trumpists. If you're a Republican, point out them blankety-blank woke folk. And we divide over stuff that's only relevant in this world. No, it's not unreal. But see, the way of the evil one is to point these divisive things in our world and have us as 
God's family follow that kind of stuff. And we attack and slander and do all the stuff that happens on social and Satan laughs. That's called being a nasty little brat in the kingdom of God. And frankly, there's some here who do that. Stop it. Be united as he is. We're united in the name and mission of Jesus Christ. Now the differences are real, yes. But we're one. We do it sitting in a family talking to each other respectfully instead of social slamming. We're one. Now I've got my political opinions. It's fun to see how I get those misrepresented frequently out in the social media because, well, I just don't talk about it so much. I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. I protected them and kept them safe. But he says this, that they may have the full measure of my joy. Hmm. Who should be joyful. Now, I hate the phrase that says, we're joyful, not happy. What in the world does that mean? Come on. But see, the joy he's talking about, where is Jesus right now when he's doing that prayer? Where is he? Where is he? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. What's the next event in his calendar? Judas is going to show up with a whole bunch of soldiers. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten. And he's going to be crucified. He's saying joyful. And this is as Jesus is on the way to the cross. This never, ever denies the hardship in this world. Never. Because this joyful can be expressed in deep lament. Bonnie Knopf, we all know that. Her breast cancer's back, reconstructed her vertebrae on her back. It's been a tough time for her. Still is. Really tough. Vic Doty, some of you know him. Some of you following that are six foot, well, he used to be six foot four. He's now six foot six. Because he had surgery in Germany and they reconstructed his back. He's two inches taller and able to walk without horrible pain now. We're joyful, but it never denies the hardship, ever. And look at this. This is a recent poll, Lifeway Research. 69% agree and are fearful about the future of our nation and the world. 63% are fearful about the future of Christianity. Now, this is a poll done nationwide Two-thirds of the people are fearful and identify them that way. How's it relate to, well, I look at this and I think of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1. I, John, your brother and companion in suffering and kingdom, patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because the words of God came to the testimony of Jesus. Now, John's in real trouble. He's basically imprisoned. And he's there on the aisle, Pat Marvinko Smith's illustrations, praying on a Lord's day and as he's praying I was in the spirit I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet I turned to see the voice of the one that was speaking to me and when he looks around Revelation chapter 1 I turned and saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands someone like a son of man dressed in robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest the hair on his head was white like wool as white as snow his eyes were like blazing fire his feet were like bronze going, oh my, look at this. And his voice like the sound of rushing waters. Look at all this stuff John just piles in. That's Jesus. Right hand, seven stars coming out of his mouth, a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like shine. 
This is her attempt to give a picture. That's how he sees. Prisoner on the island of Patmos, about to be killed. And he remembers Jesus and has this heavenly vision. And what does Jesus say to him and to us? Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Why? I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. Now look, I'm alive forever and ever. I've hold the keys of death and Hades. We're on the winning side, even though we're losing right now. Amen. At Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Jesus answered, talking about all the stuff that's going on. He said, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Who are present messiahs? Politicians. Joe Biden. Donald Trump. I'm the Messiah, they proclaim. And many people believe them. But he goes on. You'll hear wars, rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things just happen. The end is still to come. See, our, we're part of the kingdom. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom to kingdom. There'll be famines, earthquakes, various places. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it's going to be all the time. Why are we not alarmed? Because we know who Jesus is. We've got a higher value. I've given your word, and the world has hated him. They're not of the world. And he goes on, my prayer, my prayer, not you take them out of the world, but you protect them, the evil one. They are not of the world. And he says, sanctify them by the truth. And at the end of that phrase, he says, for them I sanctify, that means holy. What does holy mean to you? What does holy mean to you? No, holy means to me somebody who's always unhappy and always criticizing. You know, the church lady. You know, I grew up with a holy woman at Springdale Church of the Brethren, and she always had bad words to say to me. Holy has a very negative connotation to me. Somebody disapproving of everything, and that's not the picture of holiness at all. It's, it's the same verb. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly Sanctified. What does that mean? He prays for his disciples that they may be forfed, consecrated, be another word. Consecrated. Sanctified has a churchy feel to it. Consecrated is what happened to Nicole and Colton on July 1. They were consecrated to each other. What does that mean? They're committed to each other. They're faithful to each other. What it really means, if you've come right down to it, sanctify them in the truth. The truth will do that. And the heart of this whole thing is dedicate to. So Nicole and Colton, back on July 1, and Joy and Nathaniel, back in the end of April, had their weddings, when Sharon and I did it more than 55 years ago. We were consecrated, we're sanctified, we're dedicated to each other. That has nothing to do with moral character. Because you can have a sanctified pot. You can have a sanctified prostitute in scripture. Sanctified, sanctified means committed to, dedicated to. Or another way of saying it, and I like this, comes from Ray Stedman. It's, uh, sanctified means to put to proper use. 
I mentioned a sanctified prostitute. That's in Bible, sanctified to Asherah. But that's not the proper use. Proper use in sexuality is what I'm confident Nicole and Colton are enjoying. Watching how they keep their hands at each other at our table last night, I'm pretty sure they're doing well. And they should be. It's a blessed thing. See, that's what it means. It means for proper use. And what's our proper use? Being of God, living in the glory of Jesus Christ, which means giving myself to others and seeing the incredible fulfillment that comes from that. That's what I mean by sanctified in the truth. It means to treat something as consecrated. So when I look at a, a woman other than my wife, and I've got a number of female friends, some of them very close, they're a sister to me. Proper use is for that to be a part of the family of God we can have deep relationships with, but it's not a romantic relationship. I treat it as a consecrated. I married friends, and I'm, it, you treat them as they should be. And then finally, it just means purify. Because if you're committed to each other, then what you do is you eliminate all that degrades the relationship. Who are we sanctified to? To the Father, to Jesus. And sanctified means we get rid of the stuff that degrades that relationship because I don't want to be a nasty little brat in the family of God. I want to be a fully mature, contributing member of the family of God. Is that what you want? I hope so. Is that what you want? I hope so. That's what he's talking about is that prayer. It's not just a holy person. It's a holy people. It is holy person, yes. But it's also we as Grace Community Church are holy as a people, as a community. That means we're use, proper use. And many of you have different things. I'm just really glad for <laughs> the classic guy here. And Sandy for putting together this generation classic because that's feuding to proper use. And they're saying, we're sitting around talking. Sandy, I love your story. Just sitting and talking and say, what should we do? And now it's happening. That's putting to proper use. That's exactly what should be happening as a people because it comes out of individuals. For Jesus followers, that's us. For many of you, some of you are not yet. If you're not, I got a good word for you. You can be. It's easy. Just say, Jesus I want to be a part of the family. Show me what that means. Honor the son of my life and speech. Speak well of him by my life and by my speech. I know people, pastors, that don't say they're pastors because they don't like the blowback. I always identify myself as a pastor. I've had some most fascinating discussions in Uber drivers because I quickly identify myself as a pastor. Now, sometimes I get the eye roll and they want to talk about politics or something. Okay, I can do that. I've had incredible things because I always identify myself as Jesus with a smile. And it just, that's what I mean. Focus our identity is we're child of God. My number one identity, I'm a child of God. There are lots of other things. I'm a very happy grandfather. If you don't know that, I can show them to you. I've got pictures right here on my phone. And I love being a husband to my pretty wife, Sherry. And I love having kids. Cindy, our daughter, adopted daughter, will join us. We're going to fly down to Arizona this afternoon. And on Monday, we will head up toward Williams. 
and on Tuesday we'll be at Barazona. What do they feature at Barazona? Bears, of course. Cindy loves wild animal parks, so we're going to go see Barazona, of course. Take the old-timey train up to the Grand Canyon on Wednesday, and it's just a blast. But see, as good as that stuff is, and it's marvelously good, way more. <laughs> Child of God. And Jesus is my what? He's my Savior. He's my Lord. But he's also my eldest brother in the family. We all have the same father, and his name is Yahweh. And then we live there in the community of the paraclete with the full help of the third person of the Trinity that he will send in name. That's where we live together. It's our identity. Because we honor the Son. Let's read this out loud together. Philippians chapter 4. Join us. You can see it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is just reflecting on this prayer. We discern and resist the deceptive identities of the evil one. And there are all kinds of them. Some are negative. You're filthy. You're so fat. Don't even try. You'll never do it well. You're an embarrassment. Some are positive. It all depends on you. You mess it up. It's the end. See, all those kind of identities, there's all kinds of them. How do we do it? You go back to Philippians chapter 4, children of the Lord most high. Finally, live the truth consecrated life. That's what he's been praying for us. He's been praying this for us. That we'd be committed to truth and be protected by our commitment to that truth so we don't get sucked off into the evil things that are going on. We need help in that. We need the help of the Spirit. We need the help of the community. That's what we're about here at Grace Community Church. And again, you online, we invite you and join us if you can. If you can't, send out online at gracecc.net. We want to be involved with you some way because we really care. And we want to be a community where this is true. We're going to take a couple minutes here. The worship team is going to come up and get plugged in. This is from the end of Jude. I'd like to take a couple minutes of prayer just to reflect on what's happened here today. But this prayer is incredible. Again, I, I want us to read it out loud together. Can we do that? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Let's just take a couple minutes here and pray together as we ponder what it's like to be child of the Father with Jesus our eldest brother with the help of the paraclete. What would help you be a better member of God's family? Just reflect. Make some notes if you want. 
and then we'll sing in just a bit. Holy Spirit, will you move among us and show us those places where we can look and say, I'm proud of that. I love being a part of the family. Show us things we can look at with pride, with accomplishment, with achievement. Holy Spirit, move among us and show us those places where we can grow. If there are false identities we picked up, lies we brought into our lives, I just speak rebuke to those in the name of Jesus Christ. Replace them with truth, Holy Spirit. As I was pondering on this week, I found my attention being drawn to a song. Lauren Dangle, who I so appreciate. Incredible, incredible songwriter. And her song is Trust in You or I will trust in you. We're going to sing it here in just a second. But a couple lines there I just thought about that are in light of what we've been doing here. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust. I will look to the fact that I am child of the Lord Most High. I will relish in the truth that Jesus is my elder brother even when I'm full of disappointment and life is horrible, I'll cry my limb to you because I trust you to be the good and holy father. Two of my all-time favorite songs, Your Great Name. I remember the first time I heard that, I just I was walking in a YMCA in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They were doing a meeting with the church that met in that building. And I walked to the bathroom in a what's really a secular club. And I heard that song on the radio. Because the owner of the Crock Center there. I stopped and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Your great name. Rhea, thank you for singing I Will Trust. Doesn't know your story. You had lots of reason there. And you didn't. You stayed faithful. You're an example to us. Love you. Want the best for you. But what a hard road you've got. Thanks for being a faithful mom and a part of our worship team. And we just sang a song, it touches me deeply. Thank you. There's so many stories here. We've got prayer teams up in front. Any of us one of these badges love to pray with you about what's going on. Just celebrate. You don't have to, oh, I've got such a hard life. Name it. You mean like me, life is great. We can celebrate that too. There is Next Steps Cafe next door. Is that where it is? Yeah. Wherever it is. Go get some coffee and have a good... Well, coffee is the best stuff. Who would want to buy anything other than coffee in the store? I mean, sheesh. But they do have lots of other stuff. Yeah, next steps. Get it connected. And you're online. We're glad for you too. We want you to know that great name. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you count us as a gift. And you give us a gift to your son. We want to be a gift that you can be glad for. Sanctify us in the truth. Protect us from the deceptions of the evil one. Give us that ability to trust you when the pain is so great that we just can't stop crying. But the world's distractions can be full of pleasure too. We want to be faithful members of the family of the Lord Most High. So I pray, Holy Spirit, show us how we can bring you pleasure because we want to please you. So grant us the power of your grace, the courage of your life, 
the hope of your coming. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.